0: Is MVP Steph Curry finally all the way back? Should the Celtics have made a trade? What does the future of the Spurs look like? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Also being broadcast live at the same time on Periscope uh, Sunday night. And as always, I'm joined tonight by Dave Dufour, Coach Dave, that guy, Dave. And uh, really glad to have you. It sounds like you're on the road traveling all over the place, but you're stealing some Wi-Fi, huh?
1: Yes, I'm stealing Wi-Fi. I'm in the middle of uh, Big Sky, Montana, which is a really nice ski town. If you ever get a chance to make yourself make your way up here, it's, uh, it's good snowboarding and skiing.
0: All right. Well, we're going to try and make sure that whatever we say is the real answer and not some sort of a mistaken uh, answer to an opening of an envelope uh, of a best picture uh, category because that's a pretty colossal mistake, wouldn't you say, to, to somehow read out the wrong name? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not Steve Harvey, so I try to get my facts straight. Ooh. OK. By the way, that did happen at some point. It was not the best picture, but I think another uh, category. They did do that before. I have some vague memory, but you know, uh, stranger things have happened, and with, with it's, I guess it's what happens when you get um, Faye Dunaway and uh, Warren Beatty back together after so many years of Bonnie and Clyde being filmed. So uh, a really great movie, by the way, uh, recommended to watch. Um, Dave, yeah, it's we're here stuff. to solve some of the NBA's problems one question at a time. And so That's I right. suppose we should do that. And, uh, you know, anything you want to talk about first before we go to some of the questions on Twitter?
1: Well, you know, um, one of the things that has me fired up since the trade deadline, which I I don't want to talk about any real trades. I mean, we can talk about some of the on the court things we've seen, but I don't want to focus on rehashing stuff from last week. But Steph Curry against the Clippers looked like the Steph Curry that could hit every single shot on the basketball court. It was incredible. Like Steph Curry, if he was ever not here, he is now back. Okay, that's
0: interesting. So that's my
1: big takeaway from the week.
0: OK, that's well, that's a really big takeaway, because obviously, you know, uh, everyone's sort of anticipating that the Warriors are going to get to the finals and probably win. And um, barring the Steph Curry not showing up. And that's the, always been the sort of the problem, right, is that we've seen him do his thing. We've seen him do it during the playoffs. But in the finals, the last two, uh, he hasn't shown up as much. And so that is a real, I guess, a question mark that might keep them down, I suppose. Uh, but you're feeling pretty good that he's going to bring it this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that he is uh, fully healthy, and he has gone back into his normal role as the guy that's going to be the primary ball handler and scorer for that team. And, you know, the beauty of this whole thing is that Kevin Durant has checked his ego at the door, and, you know, he's putting up 26 on 17 shots a game. Um, that's that's good work if you can get it,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they're really running smoothly. It's really been, uh, you know, a, a kind of a pleasure to watch. I know people want to argue that I'm some sort of fanboy or whatever, but it's like, what what is there to not like? It's a beautiful offense. They, they, uh, Kevin Durant is now playing defense on an epic level with, along with Kevin, uh, with uh, Draymond Green. Uh, what are you hearing about uh, Andrew Bogut? I feel like I must have missed something because, as far as i was concerned, as Andrew Bogut gets bought out and it becomes a free agent. I would think he would love to go back to the Warriors, but someone was trying to say like maybe he wouldn't just because they got rid of him. But what do you think? Well, so part of the, there was a little, little bit of
1: bad blood the last couple of years that they had some issues with Bogut, and um, so it wasn't exactly all like you know peaches and ice cream when he was ushered out of town. And I think the ushering out of town probably put the nail in that coffin. And and from from what I'm hearing, it. Um, it's most likely he's going to sign with Cleveland, which I just think is, you know, it's, there's petty and then there's petty. And this is the the, the latter. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because he doesn't really work for Cleveland. He doesn't fit. Uh, he's not a guy that can stay on the court against your golden states. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a weird signing. That's, that's purely a petty move by Bogut and Cleveland. I just yeah. think it's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It's not what they need. I mean, Darren Williams will be a good pickup for the Cavaliers. He'll certainly be better than Kay Felder, which was a question I had earlier today. Uh, and that's you know, I watched uh, some of the game the other night with Cavaliers, and it's like I don't know what's going on, with Felder's just he's just not handling it well at all. He just doesn't seem to be able to do anything. And it's it's some of the plays he's making are just bad enough where you're like this isn't going to work for you in the NBA. You're a nice kid, and I but I've seen you do well in certain times, and certainly what we're seen in in the college. But uh, it's just not happening. And Darren Williams would certainly be a much more of a steadier produ- producer than anything they have now.
1: Yeah, Kay Felder definitely looks like a undersized rookie point guard, and so. You know, it's more what do, what do the Cavs need rather than what is Kay Felder. And I think that Darren Williams is a good pickup for them. You know, the, the Warriors also uh, have made a roster change. They, they released Briante Weber, and it sounds like they're going to sign Jose Calderon after he's bought out from the Lakers, which I think is a huge mistake. Um, Calderon is a guy that this he's the Anderson Barajal of this year's playoffs. I'm going to go ahead and call that now. He's not a good defender. He's not a good enough offensive player to make up for it. I, I would have rather uh, the Warriors stuck it out with Breontae Weber and just see if they had anything there rather than cutting him to sign yet another veteran who Steve Kerr is going to overplay.
0: Uh, yes, I agree. And it's really too bad because it's fun to see guys like Breontae Weber get a shot and, uh, and, and actually make something out of it. And uh, you're right, Calderon is, is going to be, I could easily see him be, uh, being the very drought, uh, uh of this year's playoffs. And, and then as a result, he probably won't play, I mean, barring some catastrophic thing, we're not going to see him play anyway. Um, although, you know what, he is a good shooter, right? He still could probably do that and, you know, get in some of those actions. But uh, if he has to dribble the ball or make a pass, we're going to be in trouble with, with him. So
1: My concern is that anything that takes the ball out of Steph Curry's hands is a detriment to the Warriors. He needs to have the ball in his hands when he's on the court. And I just see this as another excuse to run him off of screens and things like this, things that are set up to, you know, supposedly make the game easier for Steph. But what you run into is that, you know, the way he's manhandled off ball and fouled and grabbed. And, you know, I I think he's more worn down by the opposing team when he's playing off ball rather than when he has the ball in his hands. The ball in his hands, he draws fouls. Um, or it
0: gets open shots. Absolutely. Well, should we go to some questions, by the way, while we, we have them? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of being able to copy and paste from Periscope, but if you have some questions on Periscope, Throw them out there, and I'll be trying to capture them as we're talking. Uh, but I, I was able to grab a few, and we also have a few on Twitter we can cut to as well. So um, make sure that you guys uh, – you know, also, let's press that share button right now. Let's share this uh, with everybody else out there on Twitter and let them know that we're doing a Periscope and that it will be also lo- uh, ready to go tomorrow morning as a full-length uh, podcast in case you want to hear the whole thing in one piece. Because I'm assuming you guys are in and out right now We you're watching this. But here's a good one uh, we have, which was – and I missed the who wrote it, but I'm just going to ask the question – Is Marcus Smart underrated by the NBA fan bases or overrated by the Celtics fan base? What do you think about Marcus Smart? I love Marcus Smart. Um, I think that as a coach,
1: if you don't love Marcus Smart, there's something wrong with you. Um, (laughs) He makes so many game-winning plays, right? Like, he plays winning basketball. It's such a cliche thing to say. But, you know, he's, he's a big guard. He can't quite shoot as well as I thought he would by now. Um, but he's a big guard who's not scared of posting up. He's actually a really good post player. In the, in the game today against the Pistons, he was the best post player on the floor. Um, shots fired at whoever, thinks that, whoever else on that team thinks that they can play in the post. Um, I, I, liked, I like him. I, I think that he's just a good basketball player. And I hope, I hope that the Celtics are smart and keep him. I love him next to Crowder. I think they're fantastic together.
0: Oh, absolutely. And by the way, the thing with his shooting, uh, apparently there are some very compelling numbers that show um, that he is um, a much better shooter when he cut his hair back. And I don't know if you saw, but there was a really, really good video out there. And I try to get the guy to do it to come on the show to talk about it. But he talked about how guys' hair that sticks out in front of their face, sort of like an Alfred Payton is the worst example of this. Uh, you know, most shooters or every shooter that I know needs that airspace in front of his uh, forehead, The ball has to, you know, however, if you're a Steph Curry or you're a, a, a Kobe Bryant two motion shooter, the ball does pass through that area. And so uh, I, someone was telling me that there is some compelling numbers now after he cut his hair where he is shooting a lot better. And, um, I think that that's really fascinating. And so if he keeps that, that tighter hair, cause think about it, if the ball were to hit your hair on the way up while you're shooting, like that's gonna, it's not gonna go in all the time. In fact, you'd probably be worse. And, and I think Alfred Payton would definitely benefit from that uh, because he he has to shoot it from the side and in a weird way because the hair's in the way.
1: Alfred Payton almost has to go Larry Bird over the head sh- style shots to get over that hairdo. He looks like the weekend.
0: The, the, yes, The weekend. Musician, That's actually so. a good comparison. And maybe he's a fan. You yeah. never know. I don't know. I mean, I, even if go. I were a fan, I don't know if I would grow the hair to, to show that, that kind of, you know, dedication, but still. Um, but if you guys, I'm interested, you know, hit me up on Twitter if you feel like you have any insight into that, because I'm telling you, the video that we did see was very thorough, and it went through a lot of guys like Justice Winslow, um, and I'm forgetting who else, but there's a couple other guys that had started to grow hair, and as it got in the way, it really affected their shooting. And then when they got, when they did cut it down, it, they shot better. And that makes perfect, I love that. It makes perfect sense to me. So, uh, there it does. Go. Yeah. Well,
1: this is, that's, that's the only reason that I shave my head is so that I can, can keep that jump shot
0: wet. Yeah. And you, and you can, and you're faster, right? you have better, uh, better window. Exactly. Well, you know, Dave, the one thing better than having good hair is eating great meals that are easily prepared in your own home. And that's what Blue Apron does. They deliver fresh, high-quality ingredients, and trust me, they make a big difference. When my wife compliments me on making pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple, don't get me wrong, I'll take all the credit, but it's really Blue apron, simple, easy-to-follow instructions. You can customize the menu to fit your taste and schedule, and it's affordable. At less than 10 bucks per person per meal, you'll be making savory dishes like vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. It's the equivalent of hitting a game-winning three in the defender's face every time you fire up your stove. So, head over to BlueApron.com slash CoachNick and you'll get your first three meals free with free shipping by simply typing in that simple URL, BlueApron.com slash CoachNick. I'm telling you, this is a game changer. Well, we have another one from Jonathan9151 asks on uh, Periscope, what can my Knicks do to improve? Interesting question. What do you think, Dave? Um, dump every... "Quote unquote
1: asset," aside from Porzingis, Kuzminskis, Hernan Gomez, Justin Holiday, and build around those guys. That's that's where I would start. I, I think you this needs like a full tank, bottom out, get rid of all these old guys, and and start from scratch.
0: I, and by the way, I honestly feel like they wouldn't tank. They wouldn't. They'd end up being in sort of that purgatory, you know, that seventh, eighth, ninth spot, or whatever, with that group and some other guys and some good coaching from Hornacek. But um, but that's okay because then you get guys like Porzingis who are really going to develop. And you know, so what? He's not going to benefit from whatever Melo is going to do for him. Uh, let him uh, by fire learn and push through that, and let Kuzmingus get more minutes and and you know become you know the guy that he already is at twenty eight or however old he is now anyway. But uh, and then yeah, Hernan Gomez it's criminal he's not he should be getting 25 minutes a game um and just learning what the heck is going on uh from that standpoint so he can get some good um you know uh confidence going because that looks like what he just needs is some more confidence to believe and in, in how good he can be which i think he can so uh yeah now but they that's not going to happen right Melo is simply not going anywhere
1: it, it i mean it certainly looks that way i, I if he didn't waive his no trade clause this like right before the deadline i don't see him doing it this summer and and honestly like i wonder if phil isn't out of town this summer um there's the mutual opt-out between the knicks and and phil jackson this summer and um yeah i wouldn't be shocked to see one of them exercise it uh if i'm the knicks i probably want to get phil jackson out of there he hasn't really done a good job he's probably alienated quite a few free agents with his posse talk and the way he's treated Mellow, which as you and I both know, this was a way to get Mellow to, you know, to get rid of the no trade clause. But, you know, like your your reputation is what your reputation is. And, and it just seems like Phil Jackson has done major damage to his own reputation over the course of this season.
0: Uh, I, I got to call a timeout on here or blow the whistle or call a technical foul on you because for the very reason we're talking about who they should keep, it's because of Phil's d- deals. The only bad deal he made, I think, wait, no, he says before, was Joe Kim Noah's deal and, like, maybe bringing in Derek Rose. I think that was, you know, something that was really like it. I, it. The okay, I like fine. the
1: Rose move. Okay, fine. I like the Rose move.
0: But come on, Porzingis, and whether or not you think it was an accident that Porzingis ended up being like, or looks like he's going to be what he is, so what? Like he made the pick, he did it. They, it's working out. Uh, Hernan Gomez, uh, Holiday, uh, you know, even the Courtney Lee thing isn't, you know, terrible. Although I think he's he's been struggling as well, and you know, but it's you know what? It's hard. It's easy to struggle when you play with Melo, uh, without a question. I feel like that's a guy who's isn't going to necessarily help you if you're a certain type of player. So. Um, at any rate, I don't know. I would give props to Phil. That said, I yeah, I don't know if he's long for the job either. He, he might, and I would imagine it's his decision at some point where if you know sooner than later that he's just going to disengage and not and not uh, stay in New York. But um, I don't know. I, I want to give Phil some props.
1: Okay, I mean, like I give him credit for the Porzingis pickup and and Hernan Gomez and Kuzminkus. Um But but one of the bigger things is trying to get in free agents. I mean, you know, for a team in the position of the Knicks, you need free agents. You're not going to draft well enough. Like they're, they're like you said, purgatory. They're in purgatory. Yeah. So you're not going to have access to high enough draft picks to be franchise-changing superstars like Porzingis. You know, like they kind of got lucky there. Um, I just think that if you're going to rely on free agents, you need to be a destination where free agents don't have to worry about, you know, how long until Phil Jackson decides he's going to crap all over me and who I am? And and, and that's a real issue. I, again, I don't think Phil stays there past the summer. I think right. Carmelo outlasts Phil Jackson.
0: Right. And by the way, and again, I'm I'm in that camp where I believe that they he did all that stuff on purpose uh, as far as um, you know uh, insulting Melo, whatever you want to call it, because. Uh, he wanted Melo to opt out or wanted to say, OK, you can trade me now. And you're right. The only problem with that is, is you start burning this stuff, burning the whole team down. And now the other guys are going to hear that and be like, man, I don't want to go there if he's going to talk about that. So you're right. It's a, it was a really interesting uh, thing. But then again, maybe players have some, you know, uh, shorter memories than others. But what do you say? Let's go to some Twitter questions because we have a couple there. Yeah, let's saved. do it. And uh, I throw them up on the screen right now. So we have James Trigger. Uh, asks, what's the piston ceiling with this current core? Would you pay KCP a max extension? I think we can go backwards uh, and answer the second question first. Um, I'll just answer it. Yeah, I, K, KCP is always competing to be on my most favorite player list. Um, he, he's like their best defender, and he can shoot the rock. He can put the ball on the ground a little bit too, um, and he's a tough kid. And there's not there's not much that I would you know point that's negative about him.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, KCP is one of, like, four guys in the league that can legitimately guard Stephen Curry. You know, like, he can guard the most unguardable guys. And that has, like, extreme value to me. And, you know, he's not quite a – he's not a knockdown three-point shooter yet, but he shoots at a high enough volume and with enough confidence that you have to guard him. So, you know, I I do think he's a max player, especially in today's climate. Um, Now, moving to the other question – uh, I think that we might have seen their peak last year as an eighth seed that sort of looked decent against the Cavs. Am I am I crazy for that, Coach? Uh,
0: no, I mean it's just a frustrating thing because you know they they seem to have some ability and some things that they can work with to improve, but they're not. They're up and down. They can't get consistent. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with Andre Drummond, and I feel like we've talked about this before, where Drummond I feel like gets a little bit too much uh, as far as. Uh, credit, like as if, oh my God, he's this amazing guy. Where I really feel like he's very limited offensively. Even though every once in a while he'll break out a post move or something, he's very limited. His hands aren't great, in my opinion. Um, and you know, defensively, he's he's solid. He's good, and he can grab some rebounds. But I think ultimately, that might be a guy where you're, if you, if you hit your wagon to that, you're going to get stuck being up and down all over the place and never have any consistency.
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely with that with that sentiment. Um, I, I think that they should have tried to – I mean, the the reports were that they were trying to move them at the deadline. Um, the r- reports were that they were trying to move everyone at the deadline. So obviously they're not happy with what they have there, and I think this summer is going to be very telling for this team in numerous respects. I think not only does Stan Van Gundy have quite a bit to answer, as a support, but I think that Drummond, Reggie Jackson, I think a lot of these guys are going to be on the move. The one guy that I think is a franchise cornerstone is KCP.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, Reggie has value, and he he has the ability at, at times to be very good. Um, and KCP works very well. So, yeah, Stan's going to have his hands full. I think this summer trying to put together a team that's going to you know uh, either tear it down a little bit and really just try and rebuild because yeah, it's clear that you know I think we have enough time now to see that this isn't really where it's working uh, as best as it can. So uh, that's going to be their issue. Let's go to our next question, though, because we have Jake Anderson who asks, it seems to me Aldridge has got to be traded this offseason, at least I hope. Can you guys think of a realistic trade? Um, Now, that's kind of like I wouldn't be walking around San Antonio... Talking about trading Marcus Aldridge, I don't think even if they don't like him there, just the notion of breaking it up after what they went through to get him would be, you know, uh, a risky move down there on the boardwalk. So, Dave, what do you think about that? Do you think that they should trade him? And do you think that you know they, there would be a realistic, realistic trade out there anywhere? Um, I am of the opinion that they
1: shouldn't have signed him. So, if they could trade him, uh, I'd be all for it. Um, I love Dwayne Dedmon at at the five, and I think you could plug in Pau Gasol next year and get. of what Aldridge gives you at the four. Um, So if you can get something of value for him and that contract, you also open up max contract space. And San Antonio is a place where, you know, uh, judging by LaMarcus Aldridge, players want to go. Like, they want to go there to win. So um, if you could move a a LaMarcus Aldridge and improve your team, I think you do it. I think that that's been the Spurs MO, you know, throughout the Popovich era for sure is that, there's no sentimentality. It's all about can we win, and so I think if they see a move out there where they can, you know, get that salary flexibility and also bring back a winning player, I think that they do it. Um, I'd say watch out for Phoenix this summer.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what what would be okay? What would be a realistic trade then? You think as far as uh, as you know, what what would you get for that? What would they need? Um, you know, so it depends on how you feel about the point guard situation
1: there. So, um, Patty Moses is an unrestricted free agent this summer and he's going to get paid by someone. Will it be the Spurs? Uh, Jonathan Simmons also will be an unrestricted free agent or no, no, he'll be a restricted free agent. Excuse me. So someone's going to pay him and I don't know that the Spurs match. Uh, Tony Parker is only getting older, um, you know, as we've seen this season. So the, the Spurs are in desperate need for a point guard. George Hill will be an available free agent this summer. You, you know, obviously he's got time with the Spurs organization, and Coach Pop loves him. So do we see them going after George Hill? Do they have to clear up space to get George Hill? You know, they have to fill out the bench, but we know that they're the best at that. So that's where I look at it. It's like, okay, can they arrange, you know, an upgraded point guard while not dropping back too much, remember they'll have Powell next year because he'll probably opt into his player option for next year, next season. So that bridges the gap for next year if they lose Aldridge or trade Aldridge. So I think that there's a lot of flexibility there, which is, of course, what the Spurs have done best, is staying flexible.
0: Yeah, I think that Patty Mills signs with them and maybe even less than what he could have gotten somewhere else. I really have this vision of that happening. Um, the problem, though, is is that they go with like DeWante Murray. Uh, I mean, uh, wait, that's his name? Uh, DeJounte. DeJounte. DeJounte Murray. Do they go with him, um, you know, like as a starting point guard and kind of ride that and let Tony Parker retire, which could certainly happen? Uh, I would – I'd kind of like to see that. I think that could be pretty interesting. And then let Patty Mills sort of be either, you know, play alongside or then, you know, be off the bench again like he always has. I don't know. I feel like that could happen. But then – Right. If they if they get rid of Aldridge, they need someone who isn't an ISO low post ball stopper guy uh, as much. And because, but although the weird thing is, Kawhi is also doing that, and I feel like they're asking him to do that. So we have the same dichotomy again this year, where the starters seem to have that don't have the beautiful basketball, and then the, and then the bench guys come in, and then all of a sudden Manu and and uh, and um, Patty are the ball singing, flying around the court, looking beautiful. So. I would prefer to see the starters go back to doing that, and it's harder to do that when you have two guys like Kawhi doing it and Aldridge. You know, 40% of their players are going to want to sort of stop it and make it, make, you know, to see what they can find on isos. So um, we'll have to see. You know, I guess it's also contingent on how he does in the playoffs. If LaMarcus Aldridge has a huge playoff series, like we've seen him do in the playoffs with Portland in the past, then I, I suppose there'd be a lot of pressure that they, they, couldn't, they couldn't just trade him so easily.
1: Yeah, you know, but I don't know if Pop is that sentimental. Uh, I think that Pop is very much looking at – he takes the long view on these things. And, you know, I mean, if you look, he, he sort of zags when, when other people zig. Um, you know, we're going small ball revolution. What does he do? He goes big, and he works the elbows, and he works the posts. And so I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that – here's my, here's my my best guess. If they're going to trade with Marcus Aldridge – Pop has already made up his mind to trade LaMarcus Aldridge. That's where I would go with that.
0: Okay, fair enough. I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see on that one. Uh, We have a couple more questions that that came up on um, Periscope. And so one was by uh, Gil Breezy, who asks or says, Celtics should have gotten Paul George. Speak on it. Um, Dave, jump on that one. What do you think about that? I think the the
1: Celtics should have gotten Jimmy Butler, but uh, I mean, if you can get a player of that caliber, top 20 NBA player, um, you normally want to do it. Now we don't know the parameters of of the deal. We don't know. I, again, I don't know what Paul George's agent has been saying. I know that there are reports that he's definitely going to LA if he's not staying in Indianapolis, and that is. Definitely plausible, Um, so that might have been why they didn't pull the trigger. Um, Markel Fultz, let's say they're going to have the number one pick next year. I mean, they're going to have one of the top three picks. Um, Markel Fultz is a game-changer, franchise-changing point guard potentially. Um, Do you give that up for maybe a year and a half of Paul George? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I, I I think think the Jimmy Butler point is better. Again, you're waiting out LeBron. Let's yeah. I'll just weigh in here for a second about uh, Jimmy Butler was the guy they probably should have gone after, and it sounded like they were trying to make it work uh, to some degree. Because the bottom line is, you just never know like what you're going to get in the draft. And I know Markell Fultz could be that guy. And by the way, you, know, you don't know if you're get number one anyway. And then um, then you're talking about you know if, if, does he succeed or not? You can imagine that anybody who might succeed or has the potential. Would do it in a Brad Stevens environment, whereas a guy going to like Sacramento and has seven coaches in seven years, like okay, that would be a recipe for disaster for anybody. So um, I, I think they're they're in okay shape, but the, the bottom line is, if I could have given up that first pick and Jay Crowder, and um, I, I don't, I probably wouldn't do Jalen Brown. I would have maybe done somebody else if I could have kept Jalen Brown and then gotten Jimmy Butler. I would have done that. I'm going to tell you, you right now, I'm
1: keeping Jay Crowder no matter what.
0: Okay, and I. By the way, I think I love you and I agree too.
1: I was going to say, I think you and I agree. Like Jay Crowder, not only is Jay Crowder just a good player at all, right? Like on his own, yeah. He's also best contract in the NBA, a legitimate three and D player, like shooting about forty percent on threes, and is a legit defender. Um, yeah, I'll take him all day. Like he's a coach's dream.
0: Oh yeah, I mean. How about this? Could you imagine having a, a team that had Avery, Bradley, uh, Crowder, and Jimmy Butler all together?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Lights out. It's yeah. done. Like, like no one would score. And then you'd have two guys that can guard LeBron. Like that would have been somehow the move. Like they could have given up. I mean, I was, they probably. It, they wouldn't have been able to keep Crowder and Bradley to get um, Jimmy Butler anyway. Like that would, I don't I think they would have had to give up one of those guys. So it's almost a moot point. But uh, I don't know. That would have been a really interesting deal. Um, in fact, almost to the point where you could get rid of Isaiah Thomas, send him to the Chicago, well, and let Avery Bradley that's the and the Butler play in the backcourt together.
1: Is that- that's the move I've been trying to get the, the Celtics to make all year, because you don't want to be the team that maxes out Isaiah Thomas next summer. Like, that's the, that's the thing. Like, look, I love what he's doing. Like, he, you know, he and I are about the same height, and to see a guy like that scoring 29 points a game in the NBA is amazing. But we don't age well. Small guards do not age well. Um, this scoring, like he's not going to be able to keep it up forever. And the defense is already bad. So, um, you know, I, have been for the Celtics sake, kind of wishing that they were looking to move on from that, uh, sell high, so to speak. And, And I wouldn't be shocked to see him moved this summer. He's also on a good deal. He's only making like six and a half million next year. That's an easy contract to move if you're looking to get a good asset. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's go on to the West. And we have a good question from Forrest uh, Forrest Scott asks, are you surprised by the Jazz this year or did you see them being this good? Uh, What do you think, Dave?
1: Okay, so uh, I was not one of the people that expected the Jazz to be a top four seed in the West. Um, And are they right now? I don't have the standings in front of me. Uh, um,
0: well, I will tell you in one second. Uh, keep going with that. Anyway, and I'll tell well,
1: you. Well, my my reasons have actually been have been seen this season. They they just don't stay healthy. Derek Favors has a knee issue that is looking like it's a chronic problem. It has been now like three seasons in a row. He's missed significant time. Um, you know, George Hill with the with the toe, Alex Burke with the ankle, Rodney Hood has been in and out. Um, it, so, like for me, it was never do they have talent because on paper they've had talent the issue has been for the last three seasons it's health and health is something of a skill you and i've talked about this quite a bit with lebron like part of what makes him so great is because he is probably the most durable superstar we've ever seen so i think that that matters and yeah like i was not among the people that thought they would win 55 games this year and um yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with how they play when they have all their guys on the floor. Like yeah. Quinn Snyder's doing a pretty good job. I still don't like some of his aftertime out and his late game stuff. But, you know, I mean, he, he's getting there. Yeah. Um, by the way, they're, yeah, they're, they, firmly,
0: they're firmly in fourth spot. They're, uh, they're one game up on the Clippers for the fourth spot, and they're not going to get to the third. So they're going to be the fourth, fifth right there. It there. Is. And uh, I, mean, I, I think we all expected this, by the way. I mean, they were, we were waiting for them to finally put it all together. And even then, they're still not healthy after all the waiting for this stuff. Um, and so, you know, again, there's a ceiling. They, they kind of remind me a little bit of the Toronto Raptors for some weird reason. Like, this is like there's a ceiling here that they're not going to be able to get above. Uh, and, and yet, I, the Raptors are better. And that, certainly, what they did with their trades made them even much better now. But um, there, something's missing. Like, this is pretty much getting close to I feel like what they're going to do. I, I think. Although I have a feeling when I call up their five-man lineups as I'm doing this right now, I'm probably notice that like their starters are probably plus ten, right? Something like that. Right. Um, At least, and, which is elite. Um, I'm going to tell you one second as it generates the report. Uh, their their most played lineup. Oh well, geez, favors Gobert, Hayward, Hill, and Rodney Hood. Is their net rating? Do you know what it is? Plus nine, negative two point six. But whoa, they've only played that for eleven games. If I'm reading this correctly, they, you know, they've been that hurt. They've never, they've had they'd had them together very much. So that's a problem. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. By the way, you throw Joe Ingles in there with Hill, Hayward, Gobert favors and they're plus uh, 22.2. And that's their second most played lineup. So, you know, it's just a question of, can they find some of these lineups that will really do well, but those starters right as it is now haven't figured it out. And obviously that's actually even, yeah, it's impressive to have that many wins with your starting core, the most played lineup you have negative. I don't think it's ever that won't last the rest of the season. I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that uh, the hope is that they're going to get healthy. Like, you know, I always wish we could turn injuries off, you know, because I really want to see everyone's best lineup against every other team's best lineup. But but the reality is, like, health has been a big concern for, for Utah. I don't know if it's maybe the high altitude, although I don't think Denver has the same issues. So I don't know what the problem is. But, but um, you know, hopefully they can string it together in time for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, yeah, because we deserve a little bit of some uh, fun stuff here, I think. I want to see some really good playoff series. And I feel like all of a sudden the East is starting to start shape up to have some and uh, the West should, you know, should be a bloodbath again, and we, we should have a lot of, you know, good stuff going on there. So uh, let's see here. We have another couple of questions. Uh, I know we mentioned Markel Fultz, but we, one question from the General 13 was, who do you see as the best draft prospect and the highest ceiling? Uh, I, I'll go out there and say Lonzo Ball should be up there as well, and I, I got into some weird argument with a guy on Twitter who was, like, uh, just throwing all sorts of shade on him because of the way he shoots, which is very weird on the left side of his face. Um, the only problem I see with that is that he when he tries to go to his right and pull up, it's gonna be a problem. And we've seen it a problem. He doesn't almost he almost never does it, but when he does, it's really awkward. Uh, but other than he's that
1: taking one, He's taking one He's taken one pull up jumper going to his right.
0: Well that's actually wrong. I went through whenever I see that kind of stuff, I don't I don't I raise an eyebrow and I go through okay. the footage. There's there's two. <laughs> there's okay. two, but there's also
1: <laughs> Well, I think it, it needs a breakdown. So you've sort of changed my my thinking on Lonzo Ball's shot. Um, you know, it doesn't look like something we would teach, but it goes in. And so now I need to know why. And, and more than that, I need to know why, why is he able to shoot nearly 40% from three, but only 69% at the free throw line? What's the difference there? What's happening? I love his hop. You know, it's a nice short hop. He doesn't get high off the ground, which some people who don't understand shooting were actually knocking him for. They don't get that on deep shots. Short hop because it's consistent, and yeah. you won't get tired late in games. Now, on a mid-range pull-up, you want a little bit more. Use more of your vertical on that, but to get over the defender that hopefully you're shooting over, and that's why you're pulling up. Um, but I, I need to know... I want to know why he's able to make his threes and not his free throws. So I got to work that out. Um, I, I suspect that it is dumb... Might be a bit too uh, below the ball rather oh. than closer up to his, to his index finger. Uh, but I'll have to really watch the tape and figure it out.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be around the team this week. I'm going to find out. I'm going to talk to some of the coaches and see what they say about it because that's true. It, it doesn't make sense that he could be an elite three-point shooter, which he is. And he's made some ridiculous clutch shots from way downtown this year. Uh, and they're all quick. Uh, there's no issue I can see with like a slow release. I know it does come across the body first, but certainly, uh, once it's in on the way up and there, there, he's got it down it it goes and it's got good rhythm. So, um, that's a really interesting thing about that. Uh, and that, you know, who, who even like, where is he going to get pin downs going to his right anyway? Like, I feel like coming off of pin downs is not going to be a thing. He'll get handoffs. He'll get, um, pick and roll. Uh, he'll get spot up, catch and shoots. Um, so I don't think I have to really worry about like a couple of these random shots that people say, like, you have to have that he might not even take anyway.
1: My only concern is if he's the lead ball handler, they'll just force him right and, and contain so he can't get to the hoop. And so he will need to shoot some jumpers going to his right, just keep, keep the defense honest. So if he can't make them or if it's really, really slow, like, like I've seen on the film, You know that is a concern, but again, I'd have to see way more than what I've seen.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But I think he's a transcendent talent. He's got really great vision. As a playmaker, for sure. Like on offense, he reminds me Jason Kidd. Um, We just haven't really seen defensively what he can do, and I just feel like it's not a priority at UCLA right now. They just—they're just not—they're not a defensive club. And um, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb
1: here, and I'm going to say that on as a defensive prospect. He should be every bit as touted as Kawhi Leonard was as a defensive prospect when he was a rookie. Oh wow! I think that I think Lonzo Ball's playmaking ability on the defensive end is some of the best we have ever seen. He he makes things happen. He's got amazing hands, um, and obviously his body allows him to do some things that that smaller guards just cannot do. Um, I I I really think he's going to be a good player. Maybe he might not be. A superstar or he may not even be an all-star but i think he's a he's for sure 10 to 12 of your, your pro
0: yeah oh yeah for sure no i, I think he'll be an all-star which is really good. that's that's good working what's that yeah no
1: i i agree with you I, I think that the odds are he's an all-star i think he's got that sort of playmaking talent
0: right well should we do uh one more question as we start to wrap this thing up let's do it how about this? Talk about the effect of the Mavs adding Noel and how the gravity of Dirk on the perimeter in pick and roll helps. Uh, have you had a chance to see any of Nerland's over on the Mavericks yet? I haven't seen
1: him there, but I saw Tyson Chandler basically in the same role, and so I can imagine how it is. You know, like There are certain players that have gravity and, and create space with their shooting, and there's some that can create it with the threat of the lob. Now, is Nerland's there yet? I don't know. Do I trust Carlisle to get him there? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's all you have to say. Now I've seen a little bit of it uh, in some of the clips, and it already is—it's working out really well. They're doing that double uh, screen where uh, Dirk is the first ball screener, and then Noel is the second ball screener. And then when Noel dies, it's either Dirk is an open three or Noel is an open uh, a uh, lob. And it's—it's it's really uh, you know an exciting thing. The question really is, does it really matter? And like, does this year matter? Because if you look at the standings right now. Uh, where the, the Mavericks are, you know, 8th, ninth, 10th, they're 11th, and they're only, you know, two and a half games out of the 8th spot. And there's not a lot of time left, but what do you, is, if there's anyone that could do it, I guess it would be them, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think so. I, I think that the, the veteran leadership that they have on that team, um, I love Curry's playmaking, um, and, and Yogi Ferrell has been fantastic. And, you know, those guys get more of a chance – with Deron, uh, Darren Williams after the buyout, with, with him being out of the way, not that he's a bad player, but I, I just think that, you know, the young guys have a higher ceiling. So we might actually see a little bit more than than what we've seen out of this Mavericks team. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that the eighth seed in the West is going to be probably the most interesting race that we that we have at this point. Like everything else is sewn up, um, but the eighth seed in the West, I think, is going to be fun. Watch.
0: Yeah, definitely for sure. Oh, it looks like you got some fun guys uh, hanging out in your in their, uh in the hallway of wherever it's a, you are. It's a ski. It's
1: a ski town.
0: All right, man. Well, listen. You know, you 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 were a trooper to get out there and, and steal someone's Wi-Fi for us and uh, and contribute to this great in a great way. So. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm still seeing some more of this Oscar stuff. It sounds insane. Now, what's going on here? How they they just gave the wrong? You know, I think they had the wrong envelope. It sounded like uh, is what I'm. I, I think
1: you, you, you. Maybe we should have done an emergency Oscar podcast.
0: Yeah, I think it sounded like as I'm looking at this that uh, you know maybe they gave for the best picture they gave the best actress and so they were looking at the, you know Emma Stone's uh. name. We do with this now emma stone said she had the card so it right. wasn't the, it was a what's emma
1: stones do we know emma stones per it's pretty high at this point right like oh, her yeah. career I, per yeah. I, it's pretty good 20 yeah it's pretty good yeah. she's definitely yeah. above replacement.
0: yeah and ryan gosling is probably you know is a, a, definitely a 30 i would say he's got to be a superstar too so um anyhow great stuff dave thanks for coming <laughs> on the show thanks everyone for all the terrific questions as well and uh, don't forget, you'll find us every Monday doing our solving the NBA's questions, one uh, NBA's problems, one question at a time. And uh, we'll be broadcasting on Periscope. We're not going to do a live show uh, during the games on Wednesday. I'll be traveling to the uh, to Atlanta. I'm going to hang out with the Hawks for a couple days and uh, see what comes up there. So uh, uh, stay tuned for that. And um, we'll catch up with you real quick on Twitter too. And don't forget, sports fans, people top breakdown. Good. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. You win, Dave.
1: Yes, I am.